One. Welcome to the Triage Method podcast. This is the Monday episode where we discuss some sort of concepts um, with me, Gary McGaugh, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. So, Patrick, what is our meta topic this week? What are we discussing? Well, today we're talking about periodization because this is this is a topic that obviously we touched on before and we've gone in depth on before, both on our website and on the podcast. However, we did get a few questions in relating to this in you know a few different forms, you know, social media, in our questionnaire or our question submission form, um, which all kind of showed that this is not or rather we've done a poor job of explaining this topic or you know, whatever else people are being exposed to is confusing, right? So we want to kind of set the record straight with this in terms of what does it actually mean for you as an individual, right? So I don't want this to be some big scientific treaty on fucking, oh, periodization and what that means. Like that's, that's not what I want. What I want this to be is actionable advice. So at the end of this podcast, you should understand what periodization means as a general concept, but you should also understand what periodization means to you depending on who you actually are you know whether you're someone that's looking for you know generalized health and fitness or you are an athlete yourself right so you should understand all that by the end of the podcast so if you don't understand that we haven't done our job correctly right and you can throw tomatoes at gary in public if you see him right so that's that's where we're at that's the goal of this episode discuss discuss even periodization and then how to make that work for you right so gary the first question i have with this is is periodization important and then why is it important like is it even important yeah so like i guess first of all sort of like definition of terms is important so when people talk about periodization generally they're talking about the structure that a training plan follows over time so, you know, that there's a, some sort of logical plan sequence to the training weeks or training months or training years that are carried out. You know, for example, if you were an Olympic athlete, you'd be concerned with periodization over the course of four years between Olympic competitions. You know, if you were a powerlifting athlete who competes every three to six months, you're concerned about how, you know, you periodize your training within that period of time. Okay, so it's basically the structure of the training follows over time at a kind of a, a meta level. So what are the, how are training variables changing over time? Um, in terms of like the mistakes that people make here, they very often confuse programming and periodization. Okay, so programming is, is more so like the fine details of your program. You know, what exercises are you doing? What rep ranges are you working? Like what are you actually doing within a given program? And then periodization is pretty much how that changes over time, or at least that's generally the types of... Um, definitions or applications that people would, would have here okay so is it important um somewhat you know for 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 many people it serves more of a a psychological function than a true physiological function i think you know for for most of us who train who do not have like a four-year cycle or something like that that we're you know very clearly planning training in accordance with we're sort of adjusting training so that we can stay interested in training. You know, for example, if you know that uh, this this period of training is, you know, more high rep focused, we're focusing on accumulating more volume, it might be a little bit more hypertrophy focused, and then the following cycle of training is more strength focused, that gives you a sort of purpose in your training. It's like, okay, I, it's very clear to me what, what I am trying to achieve here. And if there's, you know, fluctuations and there's change and there's novelty and variation over time, then that keeps training interesting. You know, if you did that block of, of, let's say, block of 12 reps, you know, everything you did was 12 reps, just for example, that might be interesting if you knew you were doing it for just four weeks and you were like, all right, I see the purpose. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. But if you try and do that every month for years on end, it's going to be boring. You know, you're going to be showing up to the gym. You're like, oh, no, not 12s again. And that then affects your performance. You know, so there's there's an aspect of it that is just, novelty and variation based that keeps you interested in your training serves to motivate you serves to keep you interested um and that that to me is very valuable you know i think a lot of people when they hear do like people detecting from periodization or any other training theory based on psychological grounds 
or, or, or suggesting that it's just, you know, a psychological benefit, they often think that that's negative. They think that, oh, you're saying that it's useless. It's like, no, no, no. Like the psychological is, is it's psychological elements are things that we should be considering. We should be considering how motivated people are to train. We should be considering how, how people can stay adherent to their, to their diets, to their training, to their lifestyle habits. Um, so don't take that as a, a negative point at all. It's very much a positive thing. So maybe my initial thoughts, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but I'll let you comment on that before we go any further. Yeah, like I, I think that is hugely misunderstood in the overall discussion of periodization. People don't actually realize that it is like half the battle is psychological. And, you know, that's obviously a number that I've just picked out of nowhere. But, you know, it, it is so, somewhat true in terms of like, I don't care if you have the most perfectly organized training plan, perfect exercise selection, perfect volume, intensity, etc. Like if you don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to be in the gym, you're not going to progress it over time, right? So you have to take in the psychological aspect of it, the enjoyment aspect of it, you know? Uh, like they always say, uh, you know, you want to give a client uh, what a lot of what they need and then a little bit of what they want in terms of you know, maybe exercise selection, overall training program design, et cetera, so that you know, they actually want to come to the gym, they find it fun, they find it interesting, and therefore they can actually progress it long-term. You know, like that's, that's what you want to do with your training program, right? And so putting this into the perspective of your overall periodized training structure, like you alluded to there, like having the exact same training plan all the time, right? It can be both psychologically boring in terms of, you know, like, oh, like, I just don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to have to do the exact same workouts, same exercises, same rep ranges, same everything, right? There's, there's no novelty aspect to it. And if you remember back to the episode we did on like novelty versus consistency, like, again, like consistency obviously wins out, but you have to, you know, pay respect to that novelty as well, you know? And so again, like people are not going to be coming to the gym consistently if they're just bored by their workout, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is it's actually extremely hard to continually progress just one metric, right? And what I mean by that is if your workout is the exact same, like again, you're doing whatever, four or five different exercises, three sets of 12, right? If, if you're doing that and you're trying to progressively get stronger because we know that's the, the biggest indicator of, you know, we'll call it a muscle gain performance increase. Obviously if you're getting stronger, that's going to increase your performance, whatever. It's basically the most important thing going to the gym to progressively overload the muscles, you know, while, while keeping tension on the, the target muscles, you know, so progressive overload, pretty important. Right? I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone to the gym for a continual length of time and you do the exact same workout, same rep range, same exercises. Everything's the exact same. You not only physically may not be able to overload it, but mentally, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I did fives, like three sets of five on this exercise last week or, you know, two, three days ago. Like, I don't think I can add more weight to this. You know, mentally, you're just not there. You're like, oh, I've been doing fives for the last three months. I just can't add another kilo to the bar. I can't add anything to the bar. You know, it's just mentally you're not there. Maybe physically you're like, yeah, I probably could add whatever 1.25 or 2.5 kilos. Like your body is able for it. You know, you're, you're still in that phase where, you know, weekly you can make progress. But the fact that mentally you're coming into that, like, oh man, I'm actually mentally exhausted from just doing five reps all the time. You know, not even that you're bored of it. You're like, yeah, I'm still enthusiastic about training. It's just, it's mentally draining. And you can tie this back into like the nervous system adaptations and whatever else. But ultimately, like it doesn't really matter to understand that or whatever. What matters is that it can be a, a, a real struggle to motivate yourself to try to then progress the weights you're using if you're kind of like, oh, like it's the exact same thing as I've always been doing. Like I don't. Like, I'm just not, I'm not motivated to add more weight to the bar. I try to push myself, you know? Like, maybe you go in there and you're going, okay, like, hey, I have three sets of five to do. And you get to four reps and you're just like, like, I really, I could push myself to get that extra rep, but mentally I'm, I'm, not, I'm not checked in in this workout, you know? And so 
that can be tied into both the, the nervous system side of things, but also then the mental side of things, because obviously those two things are somewhat linked. And, and you might be just like, oh, I'm, I'm too bored to go do my workout. I'm too, you know, burnt out to want to progress my workout. Or, you know, I'm just not motivated overall to work out or progress the weights that I'm using, you know? So periodization comes into that then where you might then use a protocol where you are varying the reps in a given block over time, whatever. There's multiple ways you can do this. We'll, we'll kind of go through a few different strategies uh, in, in a while, but there's some variety. There's some novelty to your workout. That's obviously planned. It's not just like every single workout. You're like, well, this week I'm doing fives. Next week I'm doing thirteens. Next week I'm doing twenties. And then, you know, there's no logical, you know, order to this. You're just picking random numbers and random sets or whatever, you know, like, if that's the case, then it's like, okay, well, there's, there's too much novelty. There's not enough consistency, right? So again, the, you have to play these things off each other and understand that like progressive tension overload is the key driver, but that has to respect you actually wanting to get to the gym, you being motivated to progress the weights you're using, you actually, you know, feeling like this workout is w working for me, you know, like the whole psychological side of things has to be respected whenever we talk about this. And periodization is one of the ways that you can actually respect that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that does kind of pop up, you kind of alluded to it was, is like when people constantly repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again, one of the things that can develop is start to experience, you know, pain, you know, they might like, that's not always the case, but if someone begins to, experience, let's say, shoulder pain in the bench press and they've been doing the same rep range the same similar weights for months and months and months and months on end you don't just want to kind of keep driving on with that so for me it's it's always about kind of like or not always but a lot of it is you know you're being preventative you know with with your training planning you're saying all right we're gonna we're gonna vary things every now and then we're gonna make sure that you're used to performing a lot of exercises from a kind of baseline fitness characteristic perspective so like you've got a broad base of things you're able to do but you're also varying the way that you are applying loads to the body so that we're not developing, you know, any sort of pain or injury that might crop up because it does seem like that tends to happen for some people. Um, we don't have like a lot of evidence on that. Like there's not longitudinal, like long-term research on, you know, following people who do a particular exercise and seeing, you know, or, or, you know, who, who experiences pain while the rates, we, like we don't have that evidence, but it does seem um, theoretical that, that would increase, increase risk. Um, both it's something that we see in other sports um, and it seems to crop up in practice anyway you know for example one of the things that can happen is someone might have shoulder pain when they bench press but with a very slight you know relatively slight technique um, variations such as like a close grip bench, bench press or something their shoulder pain might just go away you know they're like oh yeah that's cool I, I can actually do that and then you just basically do that for six weeks and then when you get back to the bench press you feel a bit better you feel ready to go again you're not experiencing that it's not necessarily that you strengthen now not experiencing pain so that's what you take as your indicator like all right that was probably a good decision you know um i think sometimes people don't take heed of those those things that you observe in real life without having you know it's a strong theory to support it um, and that can be a bit foolish sometimes because if you know that when you do, you know, squats consistently for weeks and weeks and months and months on end, and you know that after a period of time, your, your knees kind of start to become the limiting factor because they end up being quite sore and that's your main squat variation, then you don't necessarily need a, re a particular research paper to make a decision on that. You know, if you, if you can make a decision that changes your variation and that feels better, then you've now got that evidence that you have essentially lived and you can use that then as you go forward. Okay. So that, that's kind of theory in practice, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one of the big things for me is trying to avoid the onset or um, basically work around or, or reduce the symptoms of pain that people experience. So like, that's something I do a lot of the time when people do experience, um, you know, pain in a particular, in a particular area of their body, like for example, knee pain, it, there's there's one guy that just started working with you recently his you know his knee pain is a problem for him and it has been for quite a while so that will be something that we we vary we play around with you know we're kind of thinking we're open to the idea of changing repetition ranges we're open to the idea of changing exercises so you do have to be flexible in that sense and 
and there's an element of you know being proactive and, and planning in advance when you're going to change exercise variations um, when you're going to change repetition ranges that you're working in um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a particular type of periodization for that to come about and I think that's probably the the thing that people don't often grasp is that you can make decisions on the fly. You know, you can make decisions as you go. It doesn't have to be a particular type of periodization to be effective training planning over time. So, yeah. Yeah. And then related to the pain thing is also the, the, the muscle hypertrophy thing. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, like what you're talking about there is effectively allocating intensity and volume according to how pain appears or how it crops up or, you know, how do you essentially work around that? right? But that's the exact same with actually trying to build muscles long-term. What I mean by that is, you know, just because you designed your perfect training program, you're like, I perfectly allocated enough volume to each muscle group, you know, uh, that doesn't mean that that's correct over time. And what I mean by that is you might find that, you know, your chest responds really well to six sets. You know, that's all it really needs to continue progressing over time, right? But your shoulders, they just, no matter what volume you're doing, they don't seem to grow, right? So you want to be able to play around with the amount of volume you're allocating to those muscles. What I mean by that is, you know, you might start off a workout training program that has whatever, 10 sets twice per week for your chest, right? And you might notice that you get unbelievable results with that, but you've only allocated six total sets for your shoulders in your program. And you're like, okay, my shoulders are a weak point. My chest now, it's an unbelievable strong point, right? But I want to bring up my shoulders. So over time, you can periodize your training so that you get the stimulus on your chest that you need to continue progressing it, you know, or maintain it. Maybe that's what you need. But you also get enough volume on your shoulders that you're trying to progress, you know? So it's very similar to the way you would then go, okay, I have pain in my shoulder or I have pain in my knee or I have pain in my hip or whatever. You're like, okay, let's allocate the amount of training volume we're doing to that area so that we can work around it. The same thing applies to, you know, your body's response to resistance training. You might be like, okay, I have certain muscle groups that respond really well. Maybe I want to enhance that response. I want to do more work for that muscle group. Or you're like, okay, well, I can allocate less volume to that muscle group and I can use that recovery capacity to allocate more volume to a, a lagging muscle group, right? And again, this could apply to strength as well, not just the actual muscle perspective. You might be like, look, I literally need to do one set of deadlifts per week and it just seems to keep climbing, climbing, climbing. Whereas my squat has stagnated and I'm doing that once per week and maybe you need to increase the, the frequency at which you do that squat movement or strengthen the muscles involved in that squat movement, whatever it is, you know? So even though that is a little bit more of a, a programming thing, you know, it does also actually apply to the periodization paradigm, right? In terms of how you're structuring your overall training program over time, you know, just because you've magically picked a number out of your head, that's 12 sets is what you've allocated for your quads. That doesn't mean that that's the perfect setup for your quads over time you might be like yeah okay over time i need less i need more and you have to have a program or a program structure that allows you to allocate volume according to your your overall needs recovery capacity and actual growth characteristics or whatever you want to call them you know so like gary was saying you have to somewhat be able to do that on, a, on the fly you know obviously you want to have some sort of structure to that over time like you're like okay, well, I'm going to spend 12 weeks really bringing up my chest and then I'm going to spend 12 weeks just maintaining that and bringing up my, my shoulders or whatever it is, you know? Like, obviously, you can do that, have a structure to it, but at the same time, you might also not need to have as rigid a structure. You might be like, yes, the goal is still to bring up my chest, but, you know, it's actually becoming overpowering and I'm going to just dial back volume a little bit and increase the volume from my shoulders and you know have a more balanced physique or whatever you know so you have to keep that in mind you want to be able to allocate volume and intensity because that's obviously another part of it uh, according to what you're trying to achieve and then how your body is responding over time like it's not just like you can set the program you're done see you later you know that's that's not the case you know so yes you have to acknowledge the psychological side of things but you also have to acknowledge that you know, your, your goals are going to somewhat change over time. Like it's not like they're completely static. You know, your body is going to respond 
and you're going to have to respond accordingly. Yeah, and I think importantly, the things that we're touching on here, like we're basically kind of making the case for, yeah, you should vary things over time, but there's not a very clear kind of logical structure in that, <clears throat> excuse me, there's not a very, very clear logical structure in that you don't have to like, it's not like this is a prerequisite to this training cycle and then you do this training cycle and then you do this training cycle. Like we don't have that level of granularity that we can say, oh, you need to do this and then you do this and then you get the, the adaptations, you know. The extent of the sort of periodization research out there, like that's out there, essentially would suggest like more, more than periodization. It's just basically says variation is probably good. Like that is genuine, generally the, the takeaway I would get from reading, from reading periodization research. You know, you can, you can see that like people will say daily undulated periodization is superior to you know, non-undulating periodization forms. But when you actually take into consideration what daily undulating periodization is, it's like, oh, well, that's not really a, it's not really periodization in, in the way people typically speak about it. It's just some sort of variation between training days, you know, which is, which is funny because it, like people often dress that stuff up to be like, oh, these are the new scientific findings as if it's like incredible. Whereas in, in reality, it's like oh, any, any coach would do that. Like surely you kind of have a bit of variation in there every now and then. Um, so that's essentially what, what, what is so like basically what I think the way that we would generally conceptualize periodization is that, you know, you're having variation in the program, both on the macro level and the micro level. Like I'm a big fan personally of, sort of like micro variation so at the micro level within the workout or, or within the week like for example day one of a program might be an upper body training day and the bench press is being worked more so in let's say the five to eight repetition range whereas day two the person does a little bit more in the seven to twelve repetition range whatever rep repetition range you're concerned with you know so they're the types of things that I like to see put into practice. Um, I think there's, you know, great benefits there from a, a psychological kind of adherence perspective. I really like when, like personally, and um, clients seem to agree, I like the idea of having two different repetition ranges in the week because it doesn't feel like you're working the same thing. It's almost like one day I'm thinking about my five rep max, like what's my five rep max? And then the next day I'm thinking about what's my eight rep max, what's my 12 rep max, you know, where are we actually where are we going? How far am I from that? And you can almost like dissociate it from the other workout. Whereas if you're always doing the same repetition range, for example, you do sets five and you do that twice per week, it's unlikely you're going to, you're probably going to be lifting the same weights. And sometimes you might even have to lift less weights later in the week because maybe you're fatigued or whatever. And that can feel a bit stale. It can feel like, Oh God, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of lifting the same weight. I already did this. I've achieved this. Like I don't want to do this again. And obviously that's part of training. But if you've got variation, then it can be like, oh, this is, actually, this is actually quite different. And that's the same on the macro level, you know, month to month, you've got those repetition range variations. Um, as, as we said, exercise variations and stuff like that. You can feel like, oh, this is different while very much training the actual same fitness characteristics, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the, the crux of it really that I think like a lot of people get confused. They think that these are vastly different fitness characteristics that you end up working. Like for example, if you do a dumbbell bench press versus a flat barbell bench press, it's like, yeah, that's different, but it's not that different. You know, in terms of your adaptations, especially when you look long-term, yeah, your adaptations aren't going to be that different, you know, um, similar rep with repetition ranges, like are sets of six that different from sets of 10? Like, yeah, they're different in terms of like long-term. Yeah. You're going to build muscle. You're going to build strength. Like, but it's the, these, these, types of performances are so close together that we forget that because we forget that we're only focused on resistance training you know and i think a lot of people that strength conditioning coaches that discuss periodization they have to think of it from the perspective of lots of different fitness characteristics you know we're thinking about agility thinking about speed endurance strength hypertrophy things whereas in the actual in the for those of us who are more concerned with the kind of gym stuff it's like you can be fooled into thinking that sets of eight are vastly different from sets of 12 just because we're trying we i think we over theorize sometimes um within the the small field of of lifting weights you know that's that's very true right so to make this more apparent what we're talking about because i think that that kind of covers a lot of what needs to be covered like there are yes we could get into like different muscular adaptations you know like we'll say higher reps you know they're 
we'll, we'll call them more metabolic in nature, more muscular in nature, like you may be prioritizing those adaptations, you know, potentially because you're accumulating more volume, they're better for hypertrophy, you know, for a given unit of time, we'll call it, whatever you want to want to talk about. Um, so they, they might be more beneficial for certain characteristics and, you know, lower repetitions will say they're better for a nervous system adaptation a neurological adaptation and obviously still muscular in nature maybe not as much you know vascular adaptations or metabolic adaptations right so if you can kind of categorize those two things the the lower the reps the more neurological it is and the higher the reps the more you know metabolic slash muscular it is right and that's a kind of very vague framework you can use however like gary was saying there that the difference is aren't that huge like yeah if you're doing triples the differences between triples and 12s they're, they're probably big right but the difference between what most people do in terms of we'll say most people are somewhere in the range of 6 to 15 reps we'll say 5 to 15 reps even not that different like even though yeah there is a huge difference you're going to get way more well i say way more you're going to get more strength focus from doing the five reps and you're going to get more of a an endurance focus from doing the 15 reps like over time as long as both individuals are progressing the weight that's being used like i don't see there being this huge huge magnitude of difference like yes if you were to test either of those individuals because this this is how people kind of go and justify like their their rep rep range whatever they're like oh well I did fives my whole life and then I did a, a one rep max and I was stronger than the guy that did 15s his whole life, you know? And it's like, yeah, like obviously again, we're talking about there are different fitness characteristics, you know? You did fives your whole life closer to a single. So I would presume you're going to be better at exhibiting strength for that single, you know? Whereas the guy who did 15s, that's quite a bit away from singles. So he's not going to be as good as, you know, expressing that skill uh, that single ability right but the opposite could be true i could get the person that's been in fives their whole life to do a set of 15 and all of a sudden they fucking shit the bed at rep eight you know they're gasping for air they can hardly even though they're using a weight that's 20 30 percent lower than their five reps they're they're gasping for air they're dying they're like i can't feel my muscles they're they're they're, they're full of acid you know like it's like you've just trained different fitness characteristics you know and over time if you had trained a variety of rep ranges a variety of exercises you would ultimately be better equipped to deal with whatever is coming your way and we talked about this before in terms of you know being a generalist versus a specialist 100 percent. if you're a powerlifter you need to train a certain way right but as i'm as we were saying like if you're just someone that's looking to look better feel better be stronger get bigger whatever there's there's not a huge difference in terms of the way you structure your training you know in terms of the, the rep ranges you choose, you know, because most people are going to be working in that kind of five to 15 rep range then, you know? Um, so that kind of brings me to the, the next point. Like what are some different strategies for gen pop to think about this? Because we'll get, we'll get to athletes in a second because they have some specific considerations. And I suppose I should say before this, this, all this discussion effectively comes from athletes. Like Gary was saying, their coaches, of actual athletes have much more on their mind than someone who is just coaching, even strength and conditioning for, you know, powerlifting or whatever. It's like they have a lot more characteristics to deal with. Like I was saying, endurance, agility, you know, like there's so much more to think about and how do you structure that? How do you prioritize things over a given year, four year cycle, eight year, 20 year cycle, an individual's lifetime, you know? So there's way more to this, for an actual athletic endeavor. So we'll leave that for now and we'll just touch on what people really want to hear, which is, you know, how, how do they periodize their training for increased strength, increased muscle, increased fitness, if they are someone who is, you know, gen pop. What are some strategies, Gary? Yeah, so as you alluded to, you know, when, when you're dealing with some sort of athlete, someone who competes in sport, just to put it aside, we, I tend to be a lot more thoughtful and deliberate with how exactly the next few months are going to go. You know, for a general population person, and that includes me, it includes you, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit 
it's it's not less thoughtful, but it many there's more there's more potential training options, training like big picture structures that we could use and still move in the right direction. Whereas when someone is competing in a particular sport and they have a deadline, there's less. fitness characteristics the rest of us it's like all right what are, you, what are you actually trying to achieve most people are trying to build a bit of muscle get a bit stronger it's like all right you know that's very reasonable goals but do you need to you know really really focus on having one particular structure no so as you alluded to there's many options so some of the things that like, to start off i think it's useful to elaborate on what i actually do myself in practice with my clients because that obviously so kind of vary from phase to phase without being like a, like I'm not I'm not necessarily saying in two years time or in a year's time even we're going to be doing this repetition range but rather it's like we have sort of outcome based goals that we're looking that we're looking towards in the future and we adjust the process as we kind of get there you know for example let's say someone sets the goal of hitting a set of five at 180 kilos on the deadlift, you know, we'll try and move programming toward that point. Let's say it's six months away. We try and move programming toward that point um, so that we can get there and then we'll adjust our, our goals. So training will, will move, move then in accordance with that. So if that happens in six months, then I'm thinking about what we're going to do for the next six months. So that, that might be, we work in the five to seven repetition range um, more so for one month or for six weeks or whatever the duration of the training program is. And then we spend a bit more time, you know, we actually do some more eight to twelves, you know, and then we come back down again and we get more specific. So basically what I'm saying is that you can have quite a lot of flexibility within this if you know where you're going. And I think that's the important thing is to have an idea of where you're going. So if you, if you know that, for example, a five rep max is the goal you've set, then you want to have fives in there maybe every training cycle, but at least every second training cycle, you know, you want to have them in there so that you can actually practice them. If you're not practicing what you're trying to, what you're trying to achieve, what you're, how you're going to measure your goal, then you're not equipped to perform the tests. So you might actually get there as quick as you otherwise would. Um, so yeah, you can do kind of like month to month cycle, cycle kind of up, down, up, down, up, down. Like you're basically kind of fluctuating just the repetition range you're using. Or you could use, and I, and I do this as well, where you're kind of using more like linear stepwise approach. Like for example, you could using like five to seven reps, then you could be using eight to 12 reps, and then you could be using 12 to 15 reps. And you might do that over a period of, you know, three blocks of four weeks, three blocks of six weeks. And like that is a, that's an option that I think a lot of people tend to enjoy. Um, in, in my experience, people tend to enjoy the other the other way around a bit more because you start with your 12 to 15s and it's like it's kind of it's kind of nice to see it flow forward because you start with lighter weights and you get to much heavier weights and it almost like it exaggerates the strength that you've built in a way which can make training really enjoyable because you're gradually getting more and more specific to the test that you're considered with or that you're concerned with which is going to be you know the lower repetition um, strength expression if that's your goal so you're getting gradually towards that test you're starting to learn more and more about training specific to higher intensities and you can you can end up lifting a lot of weight you know and, and your true strength gain and kind of pseudo strength gain in the form of getting better at the test are both expressed and that makes training really enjoyable because you got more weight in the bar so I kind of I like that um, but I also you know as I said I, I like the I'm happy to kind of like pivot up and down and up and down and up and down with repetition ranges or even with volume. Um, Cause I suppose like I'm, I'm focusing very much here on repetition ranges, but the same thing applies to your overall volume, like the total number of sets that you do from that perspective. I'm a fan of keeping it fairly evenly spread and not adjusting volume that much for a lot of people. But when we've got people who have particular muscle groups, they want to develop, that's when I'm being far more thoughtful and far more deliberate about how we're actually adjusting our volume. You know, it might be the case that if someone's trying to bring up their chest. We have a higher volume chest phase, but at the end, you know, their shoulders get a little bit niggly, you know, they don't feel a hundred percent. So we back off a bit before we push on again. So they're, they're kind of underground decisions that you make, but 
those that kind of linear and reverse linear structure while having some undulation in there can be nice. And when I say undulation, instead of doing say 12s or 12 to or just 12s, you could do eights, tens and 12s on three different days, for example. And that's just some form of undulation that's in there. And as I alluded to at the start, variation within programming is, is tends to be pretty effective and it definitely keeps things enjoyable. So if you've got that variation on the kind of, more macro level like multi-month and then you've got variation the more micro level like workout to workout i think you're doing a pretty good job and once you know where you want to go it's easy to make those those sort of decisions as you go through the process yeah i would be very similar in terms of there's there's usually kind of two programs that if someone's coming to me they're kind of a, a gen pop person you know they're just looking to get fitter get stronger look better whatever uh there's kind of two programs program structures, I should say, to periodization structures you know, that I use. The first one would be what we'll call it a ramp up approach. And what this would be, it would be like a kind of a, a fixed program, right? Like you were saying earlier on, you might be like, these are the characteristics that I really want to train for. These are my exact goals. And what I might do with that individual is be like, right, so we're going to lay out the next eight to 10 weeks of training, right? It's going to be the, roughly the same program like we might tweak it as we go we might have you know in, in a given workout we might have lower reps and higher reps or across the week like you we were saying we might have one day that is slightly lower than reps and one day that is slightly higher than reps again it depends on the goals it depends on what exactly we're trying to do but the program is somewhat fixed for a given length of time but what we'll do is the first we'll say one to three weeks there's somewhat of a ramp up and what I mean by that is you might start that workout or start that training block with a, a very lowered or PE, you know, you might even start as low as like six, five or six in terms of like you have quite a lot of reps in reserve for all of your exercises and you're eff effectively using the first one to three weeks to really nail the movements down, really get comfortable expressing your strength in those given rep ranges etc whatever again exactly we're trying to accomplish and then over that eight to 12 week training block we're really looking to push forward with you know attacking specific rep range rep targets strength targets etc over that time right so again the first one to three weeks again depending on what exactly we're trying to achieve how long we have etc so the program stays somewhat fixed you know You've got one to three weeks of a ramp up in terms of lower intensity, and then you're really trying to push forward with trying to hit uh, heavier and heavier weights as the program continues on for about 10 to 12 weeks, whatever it is, right? Now, that's one way I do it. And again, within that, like you were saying, that might have different rep ranges on a given day. That might have different, different rep ranges for given exercises and in a workout to workout fashion. So you might start each extra, each training day with something that's really heavy. Uh, like say, for example, something for, like a set of squats, three sets of squats, squats for five reps, for example. And then as the workout progresses, you might do, you know, we'll say three sets of eight on a hack squat, and you might do three sets of 12 on a quad extension, for example, right? So that given workout, quad focused, you're really working on, a variety of rep ranges, a variety of exercises, you know, and then the rest of that workout, maybe you touch on hamstrings a little bit and obviously those juicy calves, right? Um, for, for example, just with that, right? Um, however, it could also be that you have uh, one day you really focus on strength, you're doing a lower body workout, we'll say, and all of the rep ranges are in that kind of lower rep range, either we'll say six to eight, well, we'll say six, well, we'll actually just say three to six, somewhere in that rep range, you know? And then the workouts later in the week, you're somewhere in the rep ranges between whatever, six to 12. Maybe you're doing eights, maybe you're doing 12s, maybe you're even doing 15s, whatever it is, right? So that, that can be really effective for individuals because that keeps the interest, it keeps things progressing, it gives them some sort of ramp up so that it's not just, here's your new program, go balls to the wall from the start, and you can effectively only progressively overload this for four weeks because you you started at rpe nine you know so th that's what i like with, with this one you can kind of go okay we're going to ramp it up slowly keep a few reps in reserve and then slowly over time add weight and maybe we strategically change volume around based on how the body's progressing based on like you said any little niggles that are occurring whatever right so that's really light nice 
it does need to have a definitive endpoint, however, because what people will try to do is just continue running that and then effectively burn themselves out, you know, and that's not exactly what we want. What I would do then at the end of that is assess how we got on. You know, again, depends on how and what time frame, or rather it, it depends on what exactly we're trying to achieve and what time frame we have. But again, we look at that at the end of that and go, okay, this is what we achieved. We didn't achieve these goals that we set out for, but we achieved these goals. So now we know that, okay, we need to put a little bit more priority on this. Like we would basically assess why did things go right and why did things go wrong? And then you can effectively use the exact same template of like a few weeks ramping up and, you know, continue on for whatever, six to 12 weeks, whatever it is, you know? And that's really effective for individuals that, you know, kind of know how to train, really kind of push themselves and they, they don't mind doing the same workout week to week to week to week for a, a given length of time with less variety because they, they know that it's like, okay, we're doing this for eight weeks and I know the first three weeks I'm ramping up and then the intensity keeps ramping up. But I know by the end of week eight, we're done with this and then we're going to be changing the workouts around right so it still keeps it still respects the the psychology obviously it depends on the individual still respects the the focus on progressive overload and then still respects you know trying to get a variety of rep ranges in your training program so that's that's one way obviously there's there's a lot of variability in that i'm not exactly giving you a precise program i'm just giving you some sort of framework to think about it and then the other type of periodization that i like for for a lot of people is like Gary was saying that kind of stepwise periodization like i like to call it like accumulation intensification so we'll do four weeks of a higher rep range training block and then we'll do four weeks of a lower rep range training block and i kind of like to cycle between four weeks of 10 to 12 10 to 12 reps and then four weeks of six to eight reps you know and again that's that's for the majority of people that seems to work well because they know okay so i know for four weeks i'm doing higher reps but i know after that i'm going to be doing lower reps and like i said this can be really nice because effectively over those few weeks you start the first week you use whatever weights you're using and by the ends by the end of that first four weeks you know you've increased your strength in the 10 to 12 rep range maybe you're only getting 10 reps you're getting you started out with three sets of 12 and as you progressed over those whatever four weeks you're now only getting three sets of 10 right and then you know the next week you come in you only have to do three sets of eight so it gives a nice little like continuous stepwise jump in terms of your ability to add weight because then again by the end of that next four week block of that six to eight reps you might have started at three sets of eight and then you're finished at three sets of six right but it's still giving you enough variety in terms of what you're trying to achieve while also respecting the the main goal of progressively overloading you know weights you know and so that that's that's a framework that i really like i think that's one of the easiest ways for individuals to program their training you know set set a training program for eight weeks do four weeks of it at higher reps and four weeks at it at lower reps and you obviously don't want to do like hugely divergent rep ranges like you don't want to be like yes i'm choosing 12 to 15 reps for my first uh four weeks and then i'm doing one to three reps for my second block of four weeks you know that doesn't really make sense in terms of uh, giving you a clear structure to overload it and like we were saying earlier on those fitness characteristics are way more divergent than you know the difference between six reps and 12 reps you know and so you have to keep that in mind but that is something that i really like for a lot of people just having four week blocks of higher reps four week blocks of lower reps still staying within that framework of like kind of six to 12 reps you know and so there there are two strategies that i really like you know obviously we're not going to go into every single possible permutation of how you can set up and how you can periodize your training but that should give you some idea if you are someone who is you know gen pop looking to look better get stronger get fitter etc you know so you have anything else to add for that for the gen pop people gary The only thing I would say is that, you know, don't get too caught up in your top-down planning either. You know, I think we, we actually had a, a full podcast on this before, but basically just just to reinforce it, if you have a plan, you can still change that plan, you know, and, and that's, that's really important to be aware of because some people, 
for example, if they take that structure and they go eight to 12, six to eight, four to six over the course of 12 weeks, like don't keep pushing on if it gets to the point where as you go into the period of your four to six reps, your knees are already, you know, really fatigued. You, like you feel like you've accumulated a lot of knee pain from the previous phase, like for whatever reason, you could have a recurring patellar tendinopathy, whatever it might be, or shoulder pain, anything else. Like, be, like feel free to make decisions, to change, to be like, actually, you know what? Um, I might go back to 12 to 15 and see how that feels. You know, I don't feel like heavy loading is the best thing for the moment. Like feel, you have to always have that flexibility to make those decisions and to recognize that that's not necessarily detrimental to your long-term progress. Because I think some people can get a bit confused and they think that we have to have this structure to training for you to progress. And that's just not the case at all. So that's the only thing I would reinforce um, for, for, us, for the gen pop folks. And it also applies to, to people who take their training more seriously. Yeah. And obviously you have to factor in that it is a, a razor's edge in terms of like, you don't want to be like, Oh yeah. Like, I was feeling a little, little bit of a niggle here. So I just scrapped the entire yeah. training program or, you know, Oh, like I know I started this training program and I had X, Y, and Z yeah. exercises, uh, but I'm kind of bored of them. So I just swapped them out and I just continued with my training block then. Like, so you don't want to be just making huge drastic changes to your training program on somewhat of a whim, but you also don't want to be just so rigidly adherent to your training program that you know, your body is falling apart and you're like, oh, but I, but I have to finish the program. You know, like people will do this a lot when, you know, they're, they're presented with a, a given program. People are like, this will increase your squat by fucking 200 pounds or whatever. They're like, like it's a small of, they're like, you have to do this. And they're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And, you know, they're on their fifth set of their seven sets of squats for that given day. And they're like, I actually feel like my spine is about to blow out onto the wall behind me just after my knees blow out the wall in front of me you know so it's like yeah. don't be so rigidly structured in your program that you know your body is telling you to go fuck yourself and you don't listen to it you know but again don't be so unrigid in your adherence to the training program that you know oh well last week you know squats were a little bit challenging so i swapped them out this week you know like you don't want to be on that side of things either so i think that helps the gen pop people now gary how do we help the athletes? Good old athletes. Athletic considerations are obviously a little bit more specific. And the main consideration here is like what the sport is. Like that's obviously a big consideration, but also what the seasons are like. Um, after working with more GA athletes through our online coaching, like there's a lot of variation in how different players kind of treat their seasons depending on who they play with. You know, I've got one client and, and what level they're at because, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, basically is like, Oh, if you're good, we're going to work you until, you know, we can't work you anymore. And then you're going to start the next season again. <laughs> yeah. Like some County players are playing County. So they could be playing for Kerry, but they could also be playing for like East Kerry. And they also play for first spas like their club, you know, the, so they, they're playing with multiple different teams. Um, but, you know, not only that, their, their, their seasons are actually varying within that. So it's not just the case that I'm actually, I'm actually kind of second-guessing myself. If, do, you, do you play with East Kerry and Spa or do you just play with East Kerry? I'll need to confirm that one. Kerry's okay. um, <laughs> a shithole. Who cares? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, pretty sure you do. But anyway, let's forget that for the moment. Um, just kind of second guessing myself. So if you're playing for like if you're playing for multiple teams, um, then one of the things that you're going to experience is that you've got varying points or varying points of emphasis in terms of the season. You know, for example, like this applies to any sport, but let's say you've got one competition for one club, like it could be it could be college as well. Like you're you're concerned with you know the college college football team, but also your football club. Um, you could have one competition in September. And then you have the other competition in March, you know, and if you've got that sort of like polarity to it, where like they're to totally like pretty much opposite ends of the year, they're like pretty far from each other, then you, you never really have a time to not, not, it's not necessarily rest, but you never have time to back away and do much less because if you're constantly 
thinking of training, you know, all right, I'm going to focus a little bit on hypertrophy, hypertrophy for a while. I'm going to focus on bringing up my conditioning. Like they're my goal moment. And maybe I'll do a little bit less sport specific stuff in the meantime. Um, if you're constantly doing the same thing, it can be easy to get a little bit burnt out. So that's a barrier. And that's something that you have to build into your sort of quote unquote periodization structure. So let's say we did have that where September and March were the most important periods of time for you. Then in that case, what you'd be looking at is taking that month or two after competition to focus a little bit more on your generalized fitness characteristics that may not be as specific to your sport. And then you get increasingly specific as you get towards competition time. And that can be difficult for some people because they might be, you know, they're, they're constantly playing throughout the season during that. And sometimes there's a case of just understanding that you can't be peaked all of the time. And that's why you have to choose what is actually important to you. And, you know, for example, one of my clients, Lucia, she competed at a power thing meet recently, but she also did one in, in August. So when she initially signed up for coaching, one of the, the decisions that we made was that, right, your competition in October is far more important than your competition or November, yeah, start November, far more important than your, your competition in August. So as a result, we didn't peak for that first meet. You know, we didn't have a, a more specific intensified approach. We were still doing a lot more volume. We were still doing a lot more. We had a lot more variation within the program. And we decided that, you know, if we had to take suboptimal performance at that meet, that was okay because we were really aiming for the one in November. So then as November approached, that's when we got more specific with things and focused more on, you know, working in the one to three repetition range, focusing primarily on the exercises that were going to be executed in competition, i.e. squat, bench, deadlift. You know, so they're the types of things that I think about in practice. It's about asking, what is the biggest priority? Like if you've got multiple different competitions, you, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what's, your, what's the one that matters most to you? And sometimes that can be hard because if you're in a knockout competition, for example, then it's like you, know, you kind of have to be on your, on, on your game all the time because you can't just be like, oh, I'll play well in the final because you actually have to get there. So that's obviously quite hard. And that is one of the challenges with some sports where you don't have the luxury of being able to intensify as you go along and you kind of just have to keep things keep things ticking over. But in general, my big picture framework would be focus more, focusing more on generalized fitness characteristics and laying that foundation when you can in the off season um, and not focusing solely on the, on the specifics of the sport. And that can be hard because, for example, you, if you finish a competition season and you've identified all of the weak points in very specific things, then it can be sometimes hard to take a step back and say, all right, what are the big picture generalized fitness characteristics that I might want to work on? Because now is my chance, you know, especially when you're just out of competition. So there'd be some of my initial thoughts. Yeah. Like what I always think with explaining periodization to athletes, there's essentially three things that you always have to keep in mind. First of all, you can't be peaked all the time, yeah. right? So you have to pick the time you want to perform at your best. And I don't mean like the exact like 3.15 on Sunday the 16th. But like that might actually be the case that so you need to do that. But uh, you want to be, you know, at your best or around your best at a given time period. You know, it could be during the season. You want to be at your best towards the end of the season or you want to be at your best for a given competition on a specific date, whatever it is. There's a certain time that you're like, this is when I want to prioritize being at my best. Right. We can call that being peaked. Right. So that's the first thing you need to prioritize when you want to be peaked and you have to always keep in mind that you can't be peaked all the time. Anyone that tries to sell you the magical training program that has you peaked all the time is lying to your face. Right? So, and again, this is because people say like, you know, fatigue masks fitness, you know, the stuff that you need to do to get to where you want to be may actually make you worse in the short term. Right? And this is the second point, right? Is that if you're prioritizing something, you may actually notice decrements in other areas, right? And this is especially true when you're trying to do something like, say, gain muscle or strength. You know, you might be in the gym, you're training yourself fucking hard as fuck. You know, you're pushing yourself, you're getting stronger, you're building muscle, you're doing whatever. You maybe have a little bit of a delayed onset muscle soreness, you have a bit of, you know, generalized fatigue. And that might mean that your sport suffers as a result. You know, like you might not be as fast as you normally are. You know, you know, your legs are a little bit more fatigued, you know, they're a little bit tired. They're not able to 
exhibit as much force as you would like, right? So in the short term, because you're prioritizing, you know, muscle gain, strength, whatever other characteristic you're prioritizing, your performance in other areas may go down, you know? That doesn't mean, and it shouldn't be thought of as, oh, my resistance training is making me a shitter runner, you know, or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's true in the short term, but once we drop back the volume, once we stop pushing really heavy weights or whatever it is, you know, you're going to be able to be stronger and actually improve the other fitness characteristic that was being neglected at that time, you know, or being kept on maintenance, right? Which brings me to the final thing that I always remind athletes is it's far easier to maintain a characteristic than it is to build a characteristic, right? And what I mean by that is if you're trying to get stronger, you have to put in a high degree of effort, right? A high training volume, whatever, right? But to maintain the strength you've built, you know, you, you can get away with so little. Like, it's actually surprising how little you can do and still keep the strength that you've built, right? So if you can keep those th three things in mind, <clears throat> you know, you can't be peaked all the time and you should pick the events you want to be peaked for. You are likely going to find that, you know, training to gain a fitness characteristic may decrease your performance in other areas you know like you, you can't be again that's kind of you can't be peaked at all the time uh, or at all times and then again like maintaining a characteristic is far easier than you know gaining a characteristic once you understand that you can kind of go okay now i understand why i should periodize my training you know and i also understand that yes short-term decrements may occur but they're going to pay off in the long term you know and so the actual way you implement that for an athlete, like obviously this is going to be hugely dependent on the sport, the season, the whatever, like you were saying there with like essentially field sport athletes like Ga or whatever, like that's, that's one aspect to it. But you could also go down to like the, we'll call it the fighting stuff. You know, they essentially just are always trying to be beat. They're always trying to be at their fittest. They're always like, oh yeah, I'll take a fight on, you know, two weeks notice, you know, and yet it might be better or more important, you know, competitions or whatever, but a lot of people don't periodize their training towards that, you know? Obviously the top fighters do, well, maybe not in the UFC as much, but like say in boxing or whatever, top fighters do, they're like, oh, well, I'm gonna have a 12, 16 week camp that gets me ready for a fight, you know? <clears throat> Unless of course they're taking a fight on short notice, you know, someone broke their hand, wrist, whatever the fuck, something happened. Um, but most of them will be like, yeah, I have a 12 or 16 week camp to get me ready for that. That's periodization. That is effectively what they're doing. They're periodizing their training. That it's like, okay, well, I have this multi-million dollar fight and I'm going to periodize my training so that the 12 weeks run up to that fight, I'm going to be peaked. I'm going to be at my absolute best for that fight, right? That's periodization, right? But a lot of sports don't have the 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 luxury of having a single event, you know, a lot of them are, uh, you know, a season long or multi event sports in terms of you might be competing uh, a few weekends in a row, you know, or even a few events over a number of days, you know, so you have to factor in that the fatigue might accumulate over those few days as well, you know, so basically, you're just trying to be peaked at the right time. That's, that's that's the whole point of periodization for sporting athletes. Yep. So specificity in time and in what you're actually doing. You know, that's essentially the crux, but that's what you need to be thinking about. You need to be asking yourself, what do I need to develop? Like, what do I, what do I really acquire for this particular competition or this period of time? And then you think about, all right, th then I'm going to be specific with my training and put it at the right times. You know, for example, you're not going to, like, when we talked about the general population stuff, we were saying, oh yeah, you've got lots of different variations. You can basically, and bulk volume, you could reduce volume as you alarm, like in terms of like ranges, you know, you could go from 12 to 15 down to 4 to 6 or 4 to 6 up to 12 to 15. It's not going to make a difference in results, but if you're talking about like actual sports, like if you're talking about powerlifting, for example, I don't think anyone could make the case that doing one to three reps 
four months out and doing 12 to 15 reps for the last month before is going to be a good idea. You know, like, yeah, you might still get stronger, but you're not going to be peaked for what you're actually required to do. And I think for that reason, powerlifting is actually a really illustrative example of like what um, kind of training planning is about because it's very clear what you're trying to achieve. It's like, this is a one rep max test. Very few sports are that specific, but if you can think of it in a similar manner, you can start to break them down. You know, you can start to break things down and say, right, I play, I play rugby. Um, agility is actually going to be more and more important as we get to competition time, but I might need to work in it all year round. Like it might need to take a massive part of my training. Um, same with like top end speed. You know, that might be something that you work on after you've you first brought up your kind of aerobic base you know if you've got a really poor conditioning and that's the limiting factor then you'd work more so on your kind of top end speed once you've laid that base first and that's not to say you can't do both at the same time like you can but you you would want to emphasize that first it would make sense the same when it comes to like your actual strength you know instead of going straight to one to three rep training you might say to yourself actually I've actually never dedicated time to hypertrophy. So I've never dedicated time to actually adding muscle mass to my frame and adding muscle mass is very likely to contribute to additional strength. So that's probably an easy return on investment for me instead of just trying to eke out every last percentage at my current body weight. Again, that's a sports specific consideration. If you are, so, you know, if you're an athlete who like need to make a particular weight class, then adding more muscle mightn't be what you want to do. You might want to eke out every last percent. And your goal could really be that, like, I don't want to add any muscle. I just want to get stronger. So how can I get stronger without adding muscle? Very different to something like rugby or American football, where you're like, no, actually, if, if I have more, more muscle mass in my frame, it's likely to be pretty good for me, you know? So um, again, it, it's sport it's sport specific when you start to break this down. But if you use that sort of, like logical thought process of like what am I trying to develop when does it need to be maximally developed for and then start to break things down from there and try to be specific um, I think it becomes easier to plan your training yeah well I actually have nothing else really to add because I think then after this the next question is just specifics for the given sport you yeah. know whereas if they can just keep the framework in mind that they're just trying to be peaked at the right time and they have to then prioritize their overall training to you know actually prioritize the the things they need to prioritize at a certain time point in their season their whatever uh then it it just comes down to specifics like you said like you might be like okay well i have no aerobic base it's the end of the season and i just want to do some a few weeks of we'll say lighter training i don't want to be fucking lashing around heavy loads or whatever and i just want to do like three four weeks of just aerobic conditioning uh, with uh, a maintenance strength program in the background that's just kind of keeping me ticking along or again they might be like you know what i've actually lost 10 kilos over that season you know i need to gain that back and ideally i want to gain that in in muscle you know so they might be like right we have 12 weeks until the next season starts so i'm going to prioritize hypertrophy and i'm going to keep my fitness characteristics ticking along in the background uh keeping them maintaining them where they are and you know hopefully progressing them as we get into the season or whatever you know so it has to make sense for your your sport it has to make sense for what you have going on where you're deficient where you can do it work where you're strong like it's really an athlete dependent sport dependent and you know overall training status dependent like obviously if you're the first year into your training in the sport versus your 20th year into the training in the sport like there are different considerations for those two athletes you know like one of them might have to do a way more we'll say uh, resilience training you know they're, they're new to the sport they don't have the adaptations that in a certain in certain joints that you know keep them resilient in that sport like they might be like i don't know a, a baseball player throwing balls or something they're like okay well my my rotator cuff my all those muscles in the shoulder aren't strong enough i need to really work on kind of prehab for those um, and you might be working way more on that at the start of your career versus later in your career. You know, you might be like, well, I have all those adaptations. I know exactly what exercises I need to do. I've got a well-balanced strength in my shoulders, whatever. Uh, th th obviously, there are different considerations there, you know? So you have to obviously factor that in. Anyway, Gary, I think that is everything. Do you want to add anything to that? 
No, I think that's pretty good. I think that gives people a, a fairly clear idea on a kind of a meta level of like what you need to be thinking about when it comes to longer term pl training planning, I guess. This doesn't tell you how many reps you should do. You know, it's, it's, it's not a very clear, like I'm not going to say we're not being very clear. I'm going to say that there just isn't any clear perfect recipe here. You know, I know people generally look for that. They think that the purpose of, of you know, resistant or exercise science is just to give us the perfect recipes, but it's really not the case. You know, we're, we're very unlikely to have particular recipes that are just going to suit everyone. And that's why you do have to be kind of thinking on your feet. And that's why consuming information like this that gets you to think and to apply steps instead of real specifics, I think it can be helpful. So, so yeah, use the info, let us know. And uh, if you have any questions, of course, ask. So where can people find us, Gary? And how do they engage with our services? People can, of course, find us in our free Facebook community, uh, the Triage Method community on Facebook. That is our Facebook group in which we have, you know, different discussions about topics that people are interested in. For example, people will ask questions, um, which then influences the podcast and it also influences the types of things that we share in the, in the group. You know, for example, everyone was asking questions about the Game Changers documentary that came out recently. So, you know, I shared some resources in there that people might find helpful because you, you, we get an idea of like, all right, what are people consuming? What are they interested in? What questions do they have? And then we can have discussions accordingly. Um, additionally, we share a lot of research papers and stuff like that in there. So that's a nice place to keep up with everything that we're doing. Of course, you should be subscribed to the Triage Method newsletter. That, is, that goes out every Sunday and it's, it's in the description box below as well, I believe. So you should subscribe to that and get our weekly newsletter with additional resources um, and stuff like that that we've come across throughout the week that you might find helpful. Of course, you can follow us at Triage Method on various social media platforms. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, um, and we've also got a YouTube channel, and that is also titled Triage Method. So you can keep up with us on all platforms and in terms of actual services then of course you know that we have one-to-one -one online coaching you know that's our most intensive service for people who have specific goals if you want to if you want to reach your goals with a, a specific plan specific guidance specific education then the one-to-one -one online coaching is the way to go if you want a more hands-off approach group coaching is a great option male and female options there as well um so that's something that you might be interested in it's 35 euros a month so it's much cheaper and it's much more um, hands off, but you still have a plan of action. You still have guidelines on how to modify your program. You've got an exercise library. You know, you've got, you've got access to us to help you make nutrition decisions um, using our guidebooks and using the advice that we actually give. Um, so that, that can be quite helpful too. So, so yeah, they're the main things. Of course, we've got ebooks, e program templates um, on the, in the shop on our, our, our website. And of course, keep up with the content on the website too. But the best way to do that is subscribe to the newsletter or join the, the Triage Method community on Facebook. That was wonderful, Gary. You're so, so very succinct. I'm never succinct like that. I'm a good salesman, you know. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Greasy marketer. We'll see if people actually sign up to anything after this. If you sign up because of this, just let, let me know. Like, you know, just be like, oh, I signed up because Gary is a good salesman. Just put that in, you know. Gary's voice, yeah. Wherever it says like extra notes or whatever, just be like. Therapeutic. Gary sold me on this, you know. That, I'd really like that just to really see how effective Gary is as a salesman. Yeah, I need that. I need that. <laughs> right. I have nothing else to add. Um, do you? Nope. Nick's not a niente. Nothing. All right. Well. Too easy. Bye. Goodbye, guys. We'll talk to you again. Goodbye.